Hi, welcome to the Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maggie Perry. I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I'm also the founder of the online group therapy platform, Huddle.Care. I love helping people overcome anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders, and stress. Please join us each week as we share real sessions with actual clients that reveal helpful techniques for effectively dealing with anxiety, OCD, mood disorders, and stress. We'll discuss what effective therapy looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We'll follow our guests as they overcome their biggest fears and find that despite their biological vulnerabilities, they can still live a rich, full, and meaningful life. My therapeutic approach is strengths-based and seeks to find and reinforce what clients do well to help them generalize those skills towards areas where they're stuck. My model for psychotherapy can be summed up as this. You tell me what you're proud of, and I'll help you become effective and happy across all areas of your life. Thanks for listening, and let's get the show started. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you're looking for a great place online to practice the mental health improving tips from this episode that's also COVID safe and HIPAA compliant, consider joining Huddle.Care. Huddle is an online mental health club. We offer additional education about mental health through our weekly newsletter. We provide support for your mental health through our community time and our altruism club, which is like a book club for your mental health. We teach new ways of relating to your anxiety and OCD through our skills groups and our individual out-of-network psychotherapy. We strive to meet you where you are in your mental health journey and provide what you need. Okay, now enjoy the episode. Hi, it's Dr. Maggie Perry. Huddle.Care is growing. If you are a licensed mental health professional in any state and you're interested in joining my team to run individual sessions or group sessions, please email me at team at huddle.care and I'll send you some more information. Thanks. Hi, it's Dr. Maggie Perry with Tell Me What You're Proud Of. This month, we're talking about embracing uncertainty. So in today's group podcast, um, the group will discuss uh, what areas of their life are, are there that it's difficult to embrace and tolerate uncertainty, how anticipatory anxiety gets in the way of embracing uncertainty, and what types of intentional and incidental exposures they use to practice relating to their uncertainty more effectively. Um, So we'll start first with each of you saying something that you're proud of um, lately, and then we'll talk more about what makes it difficult to um, tolerate your uncertainties. So Scout, are you willing to go first with what you're proud of? Sure. Um, So um, I deal with... um, my OCD on a daily basis. And um, for a few weeks now, I've been kind of tired and um, I anxious in the morning and kind of down, but I have been, I'm proud that, you know, I've gotten up um, and gone about my day, taking the anxiety with me. Um, so I've kind of, I've gotten really good at doing that. So um, I'm proud of that. What what makes you willing to do that? Um, I think just from learning over time um, that that trying to brace against the uncertainty or argue to figure out how to make it feel more certain to argue with my my brain um, or to try to figure it out um, was really unsuccessful and just made the OCD worse. Um, and, and because I have a long history of OCD and anxiety, 
I also know from practice that when you get up and you go do your day, you end up feeling better than if you would have stayed home um, because of how you were feeling. Yeah, I completely agree. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, Sophie, can you go next? Yeah, I'm proud of, um, I've been in my new job now for almost two months um, and I almost didn't want to take it and have, I was kind of leap of faith that I did take it and felt like it would go better this time than my last job. Um, and so far it's been going really well and kind of like what Scout was saying, like um, I do feel pretty tired every day with the fatigue that I have and carrying kind of OCD with me through the day. Um, but like she was saying too, like it definitely feels better to go do the things despite OCD and um, you know, it's like values driven for sure, which we've talked about before. So I'm just really proud of myself for doing that. Yeah. What do you, what do you attribute to um, how well your work is going over the last two months? Um, I think kind of being aware of what my compulsions are like from previous jobs. So um being really aware of like not trying to like not avoiding those things but just knowing like oh when I do these certain things I might be more sensitized so trying to make you know it really clear to myself like what I'm allowing myself to do um giving into OCD versus like what is probably you know prudent that I do and not OCD um and just like being really strict about that with myself yeah, that's great. So starting with, or maybe way back when you started well self-monitoring and like noticing where your compulsions were and where you had the urge to do compulsions. And then over time, as you practice doing the opposite, you recognize the opportunity to not engage in those compulsions. And even if it was tired to consistently have intrusive yeah. thoughts um, kind of pinging you, it was it, over time, it's better to not do the compulsions. Yeah, 100%. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Larissa? Well, um, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I have continued to do an ongoing project, which is to work on my office. And um, I, I've continued to do that and, and organized it quite a bit in the midst of times when I'm anxious, because when I get anxious, I just want, really want to go out and jog. And so I'm proud of that. And I'm also proud of the fact that I made an appointment to get my first COVID vaccine and that that in the immediate and that's for this afternoon after the podcast. So um, I, I'm really proud of myself that I signed up and made the appointment because it that causes a lot of anticipatory anxiety for me, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Great. Let's definitely come back to that anticipatory anxiety. I'm happy to hear that. Um, Jared? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, for me, I always had a hard time recently about, um, you know, staying motivated about, uh, you know, being in shape and staying exercise and all that. But I'm proud of the fact that I was able to do since the last time we met, um, you know, two very long bike rides and, you know, something that I used to do on a daily basis pre-COVID. And um, I just feel like I'm slowly starting to uh, get back up to speed. Um, you know, even this past week, I was able to uh, not even think about it much um, about writing. And I just ended up, you know, writing a few miles here and there. So I'm proud of that fact as well. Yeah. Is there something in particular that helped you stay motivated? 
you know, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have friends accountable <laughs> to keep you accountable writing. Um, and so every weekend we've just been, you know, just trying to find a place to ride. And so, you know, that really helps. Um, in terms of this past week, uh, doing my solo rides, not exactly any motivation. It was more like errands that I had to run, but still in that fact that I was willing to ride instead of, um, you know, just taking the car or doing something else, just waiting maybe the next day to handle my responsibilities. I just did it done. So yeah. Great job. Happy to hear that. Um, okay. So let's talk more about what, what um, uncertainties are difficult to tolerate. So maybe we can have each person um, answer both questions and then we'll have the group talk about it. So what, what uncertainties in life are difficult for you to tolerate and how does that contribute to anticipatory anxiety for you? Scout, can you go first? Um, sure. So um, as, as far as uncertainty, are you talking about uh, like OCD type uncertainty or just things in life that are harder for me to, to cope with uncertainty about? What's the difference for you? So like my, my OCD right now is primarily relationship OCD. And it used to be completely intolerable for me to handle any amount of uncertainty um, about my marriage, like, because I would have thoughts, you know, I'm afraid what, you know, I don't love, really love my wife or what if I need her, but I don't really love her. And this was just, those thoughts would just terrify me to the point of, you know, not really being able to, to do much except for to go to work and come home. Um, and so I've gotten better at that um, by coming to huddle and doing, you know, using the strategies that we talk about. Um, and then just like normal uncertainty. Um, I tend to do things um, in a routinized manner. So I'm somebody that really likes to know what's going to happen ahead of time. Um, so like meeting a new client could cause me a lot of anticipatory anxiety because I don't know how the relationship's going to be until I, I go and start it. Um, so something as small as that, um, or, um, you know, if there's a change in the schedule in the day, like I'm expecting something to happen and then all of a sudden there's a change and I have to like drive book the theater and I wasn't expecting to have to do that, like handling, that uncertainty before I get everything rearranged um, can cause a lot of distress too. Yeah, so I would frame up both of those as part of OCD, but in a slightly different way. So I appreciate you saying it that way. So OCD um, in terms of its function is un intrusive unwanted thought, unwanted intrusive thoughts that arrive with a spike of anxiety and the urge to do something to make them go away. So a thought like, what if I don't love my wife that arrives with a spike of anxiety and then the urge to fix it, maybe in the way that I think about it, or um, I don't know, can you give me an example of what else you used to do? Um, yeah, I would want to have, I would want to remember like with certain like times where I felt really connected or that I was sure. Um, and then sometimes I would compare the thoughts I was having to other types of OCD to make sure that it was OCD and that it wasn't an actual true thought. 
Great. So those are really great examples of mental compulsions. And that's the, that's really thinking that's functioning like um, OCD. Um, intolerance of uncertainty is an underlying um, vulnerability cognitive vulnerability that makes OCD more likely. So intolerance of uncertainty um, sounds more like what you were saying before, where I have trouble like any kind of new situation, meeting new people, having a different schedule in the day, um, even for some people, eating different foods or watching different things on TV, anything that's um, potentially going to end in a way that you're uncertain about can be can make you feel um, uncomfortable or like it's intolerable. Um, so that trait just makes you more likely to have, um, an anxious reaction if you have unwanted intrusive thoughts. Do you have any thoughts about that? Scott? No, that, um, I think that really fits, um, the kind of just always having, um, an intolerance to uncertainty and new things. And then, um, kind of falls in line with, um, some of my some of my OCD content and um, how difficult it was to deal with. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Sophie, how about you? I think um, it's for me a lot of like content around harm and harm OCD and um, not being able to tolerate if I did, there was a potential for me to harm someone through like my actions or my inaction. Um, I think that is like, I don't know when you were asking like, you know, what areas of uncertainty do you have in my head? I'm just like, that's like all I can think of because I think all my OCD ends up coming back to that at some point, um, like that core fear. And I think actually I should say too, another core fear is just that like around my mental health and that like, I can't rely on my mental health to be stable. Um, that's like newer content I've had where I question like, doing certain things. Like I just bought a car and I had a really hard time deciding to buy it, not because of like financial side of things, but like, because it requires me to like stay at a job and like, or stay employed and doesn't really like, um, I don't know, forces me to commit to something like committing to myself that my mental health is going to be well enough for a certain period of time, um, to pay off the car. So I think those are both where I have uncertainty. Yeah, that was a great exposure that you did. And uh, I would frame that up as exposure against your fear that your mental health won't be stable enough for you to maintain your job and therefore pay for your car. Uh, what was it like to talk about that? Um, I think I'm so used to like having harm OCD that having different OCD related is just like like, oh, like it, it, just, it wants me to like analyze it more. I feel like I'm like, okay, what is that core fear? What is, what am I trying to get through by that? And I think they're kind of interrelated where it's like, I recognize that my core fear is harm. And because it's so deep in everything I do and working with patients all day, it kind of comes out in various ways every day. Um, makes me question whether my mental health will be good enough. So they're kind of interrelated. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Can you tell what makes it so difficult to tolerate uncertainty about potentially harming someone? Um, I think just because like I'm relatively new at what I do as far as like being in the healthcare field. So um, I think I just always assume, I think there, that's a combination of that, which is like real, um, like a real trigger for me, you know, like I should be really careful in what I'm doing. 
but I think it gets more complicated because I have OCD. So it's hard for me sometimes to like differentiate between like, okay, I should really be, you know, careful when I do this technique or this treatment versus like, you know, it's fine. Like it, it, the worst thing that will happen is X, Y, and Z. It's just, it's hard for me to like, I get mixed up in sticks versus odds. Um, and I think that's a combination of being new and also just having OCD by itself. Yeah, that completely makes sense to me. So your um, part of it is developmental, where you're um, still learning all, everything that you have to do to be good at your job. And in the presence of the uncertainty that comes with doing something new, your thoughts also get sticky around like, what if I um, harm someone through my action or my inaction right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Larissa? Um, my OCD mainly focuses around um, contamination, health issues, um, fear of, you know, um, I think some harm, I'm, I'm trying to, under, I'm understanding harm OCD differently. And I think for me, it would, it's more like, well, uh, say for instance, I um, I got COVID and I um, didn't know it, and I would give it to somebody. I had initially with the um, pandemic that was a huge fear, either that I would get it and die, or that I wouldn't know I had it and I'd give it to one of my family members and they would die and it would be my fault. And um, I too worked in healthcare for years, and there there always underlying, not, not always, but a great deal of the time was the fear that um, even if I was doing a good job, which I felt like I was, other than when my OCD took over or when my anxiety took over, I felt like I wasn't doing a good job. I was um, always at risk of making a mistake and that that risk or that mistake would harm someone, even though my intention was to do the best I could it was always a fear underneath that I'll overlook something, I'll neglect to do something or, or, and then when the anxiety got worse, I, I'd fear that I'd be so anxious, I would, I actually would make a mistake because I was anxious and it, it would, um, you know, brought on lots and lots of intrusive thoughts. And um, recently I have said, I wish I knew then what I know now, not that it would make the anxiety it, it wouldn't go away, but I think I would know how to handle it better when yeah. the intrusive thought. And what specifically yeah. would you be doing differently? Well, like I, I have a lot of anticipatory anxiety about anything, anything unknown, you know, especially if it relates to another person, you know, and um, I would, when I get that whoosh of anxiety, I, I, I can tell myself now, okay, that, that the dread I'm feeling, the fear I'm feeling with the whoosh of anxiety, that's just it. It's a fear. It's a thought, but it's not a prediction. It's not a prediction that something bad's going to happen, or it's not a prediction that I could do something bad. And then I would try, I've been trying to um, practice good self-talk. Like I would hope that it, if that happened in a working situation, if I was working, I'd be able to say, I'm qualified at this job. I'm qualified to do this task. That's why I'm being asked to do it and, and just follow through. And even though I'm not working, um, like I had a lot, I was reading over our weekly, um, the newsletter you send out and my mind was just going, uh, 
a lot of intrusive thoughts about this vaccine. I could, I could, I might have a horrible reaction and die, you know. And and finally, um, I, I I went ahead and said that's just a feeling, that's dread. And then I actually said to myself, yeah, I, I guess I could die. Anything could happen because there's no way of knowing until after I get that vaccine. But um, and I just let myself sit with it. And and that's a good example of when that kind of thing happens. I just want to go for a long, long run, which is helpful sometimes. But um, I'm learning that I that it's also helpful for me to just sit with it and let it pass, and then go for a run or a jog. Yeah, absolutely. So you're seeing the anticipatory anxiety as a feeling, not a factor prediction, which is great. And therefore, when you get that adrenaline that comes from the fight or flight. You're just allowing that to swoosh through your body, but not doing anything to make it go away. That would teach your brain really that it was actually a threat. Um, So that's really great also. And then continuing to go forward with the behavior and living with the possibility that something awful truly does happen. Not that you wanted to, but you're saying, yep, this is something that I can live with. Um, in choosing to move forward um, is a really great surrender. So it sounds like you're doing everything right there. Thank you so much for that example. Um, Jared, can you go next? Yeah, um, my content area is, you know, both ADHD and OCD. And, um, you know, with OCD, I just always had uncertainty with myself, Um, just uncertainty about everything, you know, especially with my, you know, I feel like I also have imposter syndrome. Um, Can I actually do the things that I claim that I do? you know, just a lot of issues when it comes to, especially with my self-identity. And so, um, gosh, right now I'm just forgetting my train of thought. Um, you were talking about the um, uncertainties that are difficult to tolerate? Yeah. And so, especially when it comes with the future, um, when it deals with the future, like, can I actually do this? Can I actually like go forth with like the plan that I kind of set for myself, um, you know, especially in the more immediate future right now, you know, I just had my first semester of school finished and I'm starting my second semester and I'm just so happy and I'm just so proud of myself that I was actually able to finish my first semester on a very strong note. And I don't know, like right now, the uncertainty that sits with inside me is like, can I actually keep this up and can I actually keep this going? Um, uh, especially with some of the distractions that I, you know, currently have right now when it comes to my personal finances and just like, you know, other things, uh, you know, just being at home all the time right now because of COVID and, you know, just all those thoughts just kind of rise up. Uh, so, you know, for that, it's, you know, that's the, that's the immediate, um, you know, anxiety that I do feel right now. Uh, intermediate. I'm not quite sure. So sure. Well, that's a really good example of like, just in general, I'm engaging in healthy behaviors, but how do I know I can keep that up? I think is a question that a lot of people have as they start to engage in behavior change. And so the, the reality of the answer is like, you can't know with certainty. That's certainly an uncertainty that you have to tolerate along the way. Um, I think that's a really great segue into the the last um, part of the conversation, which is about incidental and intentional exposure. 
And so how they're all related, before we get back to your example, Jared, is that in general, neurologically, we're trying to, after we prepare for the anxious moment and know what our plan is going to be, we're trying to embrace uncertainty because we want to use the moment of anxiety as an opportunity to show ourselves that we're um, not, basically that either we're not afraid or even if we're afraid, we can still do the things that we value. And this type of learning is state dependent. So you can't read yourself or talk yourself into relating to anxiety differently. You've got to actually get anxious and then show yourself that you can handle it. You can relate to it differently. So that you could say the same for a behavior change. Any kind of behavior change is going to give you a little bit of anticipation. Like, can I really do the thing that I committed to? And the only way that you can teach yourself and get that experiential confidence is to actually show up to the commitment that you've made. So with that in mind, there's things you can do to make commitments more likely to be commitments that you can keep. And that way you'll stay motivated and accountable to yourself or other people over time. And so when you're thinking about intentional or incidental exposure, intentional exposure and intentional practice would be intentionally seeking out things that are anxiety provoking for you. So you get to practice using your strategy to relate to it effectively. Incidental exposure and practice are times where you just happen to have anxiety show up in everyday life and you still want to practice your strategy, but it's kind of like uh, maintaining functioning during um, incidental exposure is also really important. Um, so as, and so in general, we're just thinking about it as these types of practices are the only ways to teach our uh, primitive brain that not only is anticipatory anxiety uh, only a feeling, not a factor prediction, but also when we get to that anxious moment, we can tolerate it and thrive in, in spite of it. So with that in mind, um, Scout, can you go first with your intentional and incidental practice related to the uncertainties that you just described? Sure, so um, with respect to relationship with CD, um, I'm married, um, so my life is really um, kind of like a walking exposure. Um, so there wasn't a lot of need to do intentional exposures um, when I was working on it because they would just happen so often. So a lot of it was learning when when I got the fight or flight feeling, which I would get um, on and off all day long, um, would be to continue doing what I was doing, um, not not tense up or brace or um, try to figure out if the feeling means anything, but to kind of just keep on doing what it was that I was doing um, and kind of go towards my values. Um, one way that I could add an intentional exposure to that, um, at first I didn't do this because I was struggling so much just with um, maintaining functioning um, with the incidental exposures, but now that I'm better, sometimes if I do get a, a fight or flight feeling um, with the theme being about my relationship, I'll, I'll intentionally add on to it. So I might say something like, yeah, maybe I don't really know if I actually love my wife. And then I'll keep doing what it is that I was doing before. So I try to make it a little bit worse. What's that like to talk about? Um. If it feels good um, that I've I've managed to get 
um, so much better because I, I for a long time had just a really hard time with the thoughts. I was really fused to them um, and kind of felt like I was stuck um, in a situation that wasn't going to get better and that I wasn't going to have this um, attitude, the, like the kind of willingness attitude. And so the fact that sometimes I am willing to do a little bit more, um, it feels, feel, it feels good. It feels, I, I guess since I was an athlete, it kind of feels like, you know, like I scored a goal or something like that. That's a great attitude. Thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, Sophie. Um, I think certain things make exposures certain or certain types of things make certain exposures better. And I think, for me, what's tricky is when you're like being bombarded by like incidental exposures um, so much that it's like you can't pace them out and like kind of like let yourself recover from the sensations from incidental exposures before you have more. Um, like I found like certain triggers I've had like contamination and um, just things like that, I guess, like driving locks and the stove things like that that I've had it was like pretty easy for me to like plan um exposures around those and then carry them out and I found those to be like tremendously easier to get over than things like you know harming someone through my work because every day I'm like there's so many incidental exposures through like decisions I make and you know I don't have control over the patients that come in and how they present and how they interact with me and I think um it was really hard for me at the beginning of while I was working to tolerate how much exposure that was. It just was like a fire hose, you know? And I think, um, it's, it's just tricky to plan, you know, kind of like what Scott was saying. It's like, once you kind of get your bearings with how much exposure there is, then I think it's easier to, um, plan, um, intentional exposures around that. But it, I still find it tricky to get to that place with this certain content area, like, um, at work to be able to do intentional exposures. But I, I do know what those um, exposures need to be. And like, kind of like I was talking about it before, those are the things that I um, know what I'm sensitized around. So that's when I plan the intentional exposures. Yeah, that's great. You're showing a lot of self-awareness. Do you feel um, self-compassionate about how your process is gonna go? given that it's going to take some time for you to um, kind of get in the groove of what's helpful to you? Yeah, I think self-compassion is definitely hard for me to um, get to a lot of times. I think just because I tend to be a pretty harsh critic on myself, um, but at least I like conceptually understand what needs to happen like in this process for me to get to a place where I could be okay with how much exposure is happening. So maybe that's, that understanding of self-compassion? Yeah, I absolutely think it is. And also to your fear around how do I know that my um, my mental health isn't going to deteriorate in a way that um, will impair my life. I think as long as you have a plan, even if you're um, having difficulty executing the plan, you kind of know where you are. Um, mm -hmm. And then it, there's less uncertainty about like how things are going to go. Do you agree with me on that? I do. I think that can also be scary though, because you know where you are and you know, the power is kind of only your own. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a, like do the, uh, there's kind of the serenity. It reminds me of the serenity challenge. 
So trying to take control of the things that you have control over and then also surrender when um, you're, there's things that you can't control. Um, but it's challenging to do both. Um, Larissa, can you go next? Uh, sure. I appreciate everything everybody is saying, and I can relate somewhat to everything everybody's saying. And, um, and then I feel like I've lost my train of thought. But um, as far as like when I in, intentionally want to do an exposure, um, I like today, I know when I go for that vaccine, I, I, I can just anticipate that I'm going to have that anxiety just flood over me to the point where uh, I get frightened that I'll get a fever and, and then they won't want to give me the, give me the vaccine. And um, so looking at that as an opportunity to just say, okay, I can do this, take a deep breath, you know, uh, do what I can to relax at the moment. When I start, I, I think sometimes with me, um, when the intrusive thoughts about what could happen start flooding over me, it, it, it's hard for me to focus. So I'll just focus on what I'm doing right now. Just continue to stand here. You know, I am okay. This, I'll get through this. I've been through it before. Um, looking back at things I've gotten through that I thought I'd, I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to and, and try to remember that. But um, I think like even now, the whoosh of anxiety is coming over me. You know, uh, am I even saying the right thing or doing the right question? And um, I think I just have to remember that um, I'm losing my train of thought. Maybe can you? So that it's just a feeling. So that this this yeah. is okay. Whatever you're feeling right now is okay. And right now is an opportunity to just um, um, have compassion on, like treat yourself with compassion yeah. because you're just having a feeling. Yeah, I, I think what that was about is I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what's intentional? What's incidental? Sometimes I'm, uh, I get confused of which is which. And, um, but in, it leaves me with the feeling of anxiety or I'll say the wrong thing. But, um, and when um, Sophie was talking about being compassionate, I have to remember that because it's, it's hard to be compassionate when I don't, um, when I'm feeling this way, you know, Great. or feel yeah. I'm saying. So I have to just say, it's all good. I'm okay. Totally. And yeah. So sometimes that kind of framework of, um, intentional being things that you seek out and incidental th being things that happen mm -hmm. to you can be helpful for you to think about um, what's happening and what you want your strategy to be. But if we always mm -hmm. just think about the strategy is it's okay to be anxious and in the moment of anxiety, we're trying to allow it to be here, like to observe what's happening, to allow it to be here and not do anything mm -hmm. to try to make it go away, then you're always doing it right as long as you're trying to accept what's occurring. Um, so thank you for so that this, example. So th this would be um, an in, this would be an incidental what I'm feeling now, which I didn't expect to feel. That's exactly. an incidental. Yep. Okay. But Good my example. intention is to go at it, move forward. Exactly. Thank you. Okay. Um, and Jared, can you talk about your either incidental or intentional exposure? 
Yeah, um, uh, you know, with incidental it would be more with my cycling, uh, with my cycling routine, uh, with yeah, with my bike riding, and with intentional. I would have to say just going back to my school subject. Uh, I remember just like first starting out, um, you know, the semester at my, you know, at at grad school, and before that, you know, I dropped out of law school, and it was just like a really demoralizing experience, just because I felt like I worked really hard, and just you know the results didn't really uh, express that, and you know the anxiety, the anticipatory anxiety, and all that was just like really starting to come up, and especially when I entered the class, you know, that nervousness, that first time meeting everybody, anxiety just really started to play a role, and. Then there's this thing called class participation. And I never felt like I was a great class participator. And so this was a lot of, this was like a huge, I just felt like it was a huge moment for me. I know it wasn't for like a lot of other people, um, but for me, it just felt like, okay, you know, this is now your chance to like be able to, uh, you know, maybe this is, this is a good opportunity to just kind of like talk because now you're working at something that you want to do. Um, you know, you're in a you're in an environment that makes you feel a little bit more confident. Um, let's just see how it goes. You know, just don't really think about the consequences and the results that would happen right afterwards. Uh, you know, and just go with it. And it really did help. And it was very much a reinforcing atmosphere uh, during that time period. Uh, but when it comes to incidental, it would be like my bike riding. You know, I would go out, the anxiety would kick in, and you know, let's say that I fall or do something stupid and that would be i mean i can't really think of one just right at the top of my head but you know then there would be like another spike of anxiety just because of that kind of awkward movement that i did with my bike uh so for me there was a lot of moments like that it just sounds very trivial uh when i talk about it um, like it's not a big deal, but for me, just because it was like an everyday thing, just like how people thought about me, it doesn't even matter if I knew you, if you were a stranger, it just really played a role and impacted, you know, I think my life for, to keep avoiding, you know, a lot of the things that I wanted to kind of do. So, yeah. Yeah. But not are... about the consequences was like a huge help for me. Just to Yeah. Both of those are really great examples um, of, in both cases, you expected that the anxiety was going to show up, and then you had a strategy for allowing yourself to relate to the anxiety effectively so that it didn't escalate. Um, so thank you for those examples. Those are great examples. So in awareness of our time, we're going to end here. Thanks so much for listening and for embracing your uncertainty. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you're looking for a great place online to practice the mental health improving tips from this episode that's also COVID safe and HIPAA compliant, consider joining Huddle.care. Huddle is an online mental health club that strives to meet you where you are in your mental health journey. We have community time, altruism clubs, skills groups, and individual psychotherapy. Head to Huddle.care to learn more. And don't forget to tell me what you're proud of whenever you can via email, my website, or on the social media channels. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from the show, please let us know and share it with anyone you think would also find benefit. As a disclaimer, please consult your doctor or therapist before attempting any strategy shared here. Thank you.